0: Welcome to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm Christopher Dedette, founder and CEO of Devian Enterprises, Inc. We are committed to optimize people's performance with tools such as peak performance speaking, coaching, and consulting programs for a worldwide international community. We believe that the only difference between where you are and where you wanna be is acquiring the knowledge you need and consistently utilizing that knowledge to become a peak performing individual in every area of your life. Stick around until the end of the show, where we will reveal how you can become the next guest on the fastest growing inspirational educational podcast on the planet in 20 to 30 minutes. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. I'm your host, Christopher Dedian, and today we have Ethan Nakana on, who is the founder of Rocky Mountain Physician Agency. Uh, Ethan, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing fantastic, Christopher. I'm excited to be here with you today. Man,
0: likewise, I literally were having a conversation half a second before hitting record. And as you were telling me something, I'm like, okay, wait, stop talking. We need to start recording because you talked about you're preparing an article about uh, uh, Black History Month. And I want to talk about that in a few seconds. But before diving into all of that, I give a small introduction of who you are and what you do. Do you mind unpacking that a bit more for our viewers and listeners?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just so delighted to chat with you today uh, and your audience, you know, because I get so much inspiration from your podcast, and hopefully I can pay a little bit of what you've given forward to your audience now. Uh, But really, my job is as a sports agent for doctors. So if you follow any professional sports, baseball, football, basketball, soccer, all of those athletes are represented by an agent. And the agent's job is to find the best deal for that, the athlete making the most money. Now, if you swap out athletes for doctors, that's what I do for doctors. I help them find the best opportunities and make the most money in those opportunities.
0: Ethan, I'd love that because honestly, I didn't even know that that career existed. And I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person that believes or doesn't know that that career existed. And the way that you kind of explained it and what I did research on, makes perfect sense. Uh, And can you please tell us a bit about the backstory? Because I do know that your mom is a physician as well. And you were in the industry for so many years. And you saw a discrepancy in regards to the doctors when it comes to negotiating their uh, salary, their rights, and so on and so forth. So can you give us a bit of a backstory of how you thought of this? And uh, is there a market for this? Are you like the only sports doctor agent out there? Like, do you have all the players in the world right now, (laughs) East and Western (laughs) Conference,
1: or you have competition as well? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you know, you raise a really good point because I often t- tell people that I didn't start a business. I'm starting an industry. Mm-hmm. My belief is that physicians having agents should be as pervasive as athletes. It should be just as common as an athlete, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, having an, a- an agent doctors should have an agent the same way. So my belief is that this is the foundation of what I see as a nationwide industry. Now, I'll be super honest with you, Christopher, my story is not a glamorous one. So yes, my mom inspired me to do this, but the real story behind it is I got laid off from a job. I had been working for an organization for about six years and progressively increasing responsibility. And I had moved to a new part of the organization about six months prior when I got called into HR and they said, next week, you're out of here. And I realized, you know, in a very cold way that I was going to be out of a job here in about seven days. So that really was the catalyst to Rocky Mountain Physician Agency. It's I was on this track, I wanted to be a hospital CEO, I'd had 10 plus years of experience working in hospitals, and then that came to a screeching halt when I got laid off. So I realized maybe a W-2 job working in hospitals is not the safe route that I thought it was. And so if I really am going to follow in my mom's footsteps as she encouraged me to get into healthcare, maybe there's another way to do it. And that's how Rocky Mountain Physician Agency came to be through the through the question: why don't doctors have agents like professional athletes? So Ethan, I love that. I truly do. And I love the
0: the 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 authenticity of like, you know, you getting fired, realizing, hey, this is not a safe, secure job, right? And there is definitely some advantages, huge advantages of being an entrepreneur, but there's some downsides. And the same thing as being a W-2 worker, right? Having a job. So you saw both spectrums over here. Now, my latter part of that question. So does that mean once you thought of this, because you're like, hey, why did they have it? Is it because it didn't exist? Are you literally the only one right now out there? Do you have competition? Is it difficult to sell this ideology to doctors or even the hospitals in itself? How does that world kind of coexist together?
1: That's a fabulous question. And I tend to think of it as it is a, an adjustment to an already existing industry. Mm-hmm. Many doctors do one of two things when they go in to negotiate their contract. Either they do it on their own. I call that the DIY approach Mm -hmm. or they hire an attorney to do it. okay. The primary difference between what we do as an agent and what an attorney does is when a doctor negotiates with their employer, typically there's some back and forth. And when they hit a stalemate, the employer says, we're not going to move anymore. So take it or leave it. And that's when the attorney might say, all right, well, Dr. Smith, you need to either sign this or go a different direction. But for us, that's when we really get to work. Because by the time your employer has said no, we have already brought you competing offers for more money. So fine, if your employer says no, which we know that they will, the doctor can now exercise their option to go make more money somewhere else. Spoiler alert, the doctor typically gets paid, in about 90% of our cases, the doctor gets paid more and stays where they are. That's really what we want, is for doctors to be paid what they deserve where they are. Now, are there other physician agents? Probably. I haven't met them yet, but I assume that this, I wasn't the first one who invented this idea, but I think the thing that sets us apart is twofold, Christopher. First, as the Jerry Maguire for doctors, we are see our mission as making doctors more money, full stop. We don't get into, well, I just want someone's eyes on this contract, or I just want an expert to look this over. We will be happy to refer you to our network of attorneys. We'll be happy to help you. We work with doctors who are serious about getting paid. And so the second reason that doctors work with us is because we negotiate our fee into your contract. Hmm. So we only get paid for doing one thing, and that's helping increase your salary. So if a doctor hires me, who's making let's say three hundred thousand, and they don't make any more than that through our negotiation, which that's never happened, but if it did, I wouldn't get paid because my fee is based exclusively on I'm helping sure. doctors make more. Exactly. And, and the cool thing is because I spent fifteen years working in hospitals. I know how to negotiate my fee into the doctor's contract so the doctor doesn't have to worry about paying it themselves. So not only did they make more money, but it's subsidized, our fee is subsidized by the hospital so the doctor doesn't have to write this huge check or worry about how much money are we going to owe RMPA. You know up front how much it's going to be and the hospital will take care of it. Okay, this is very interesting.
0: So essentially, it's kind of like a broker of a sort, so a real estate broker coming in between, and you have your commission price within the sale of the property. So exactly the same thing. Now, if we correlate it to, let's say, this real estate world and the Fajisind world, how many times in a career does a physician negotiate their salary? Because if it's something like, you know, we're correlating it to, first of all, real estate that potentially people buy and sell properties more often in their lifetime than uh, maybe a physician has to renegotiate or a professional athlete that's usually two, three years or whatever the, uh, la, the duration of the contract. How many times do you go with the same client? Is it really just a one hit wonder with one client and then referral to somebody else? How do you grow your business in that regard? See, Christopher,
1: this highlights why this business is so important for doctors, Mm -hmm. because most doctors may only do it a handful of times Mm. at most. But here's the thing. When I was on the other side of the table working in hospitals, I did it on a weekly basis. Mm. So if you were to translate it to sports, if I were to practice basketball every single week and then play against someone who might practice once every two to three years, who do you think is going to have the advantage in that scenario? And so you've highlighted exactly why we believe that doctors deserve agents because doctors only negotiate contracts four or five, maybe six times throughout their career at the absolute most. And we're talking employment contracts where they work for a healthcare system or a private practice. Doctors do see other contracts in other contexts. We specifically work with their employment contracts. Now, some doctors may do it even less. I've seen doctors who have worked with the same employer with the same contract for 10 plus years. Spoiler alert, you are taking a massive discount if you have a contract that has been in place for three or more years because the cost of living, inflation increases, and that leaves doctors who are not maximizing their salary and compensation at a distinct disadvantage. So you highlighted it, it's only a handful of times at most versus the hospital executives, i.e. me, who was on the other side and I would do it on a weekly basis. So I was far more comfortable in working in that situation than doctors are. And then on top of that, what you'll often see is doctors don't have time. Doctors don't have any free time to take away, to do the research, the back and forth, the meetings, and so again, that's where RMPA comes in to help take that burden off of their plate, so that they can focus what they were trained to do, and that's practice medicine.
0: I love that, man. And if you remember, I'm going to shift this conversation towards the question that I asked you before recording here. And like I was alluding to, been when we uh, started the recording, I literally told you to stop the second you started like answering the question, because I'm like, wait, I want to ask you on uh, the podcast when it's live for our viewers and listeners to get it as well. So when I asked you, like I asked everybody, I'm like, hey, how's your day going? What are you up to? You're like, oh, man, it's been a great day today. I'm writing an article about Black History Month. You're from Nigerian descent. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's amazing. So it's like, what is it about? And then I'm like, yo, stop. So I want to know, <laughs> what is the article about? Uh, talk to me a bit about that, because you have ambitions to uh, potentially get that published uh, on that end. So yeah, i just love to hear more about what you're writing about in that regards.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was so funny that you stopped us in the middle, and I think that was the right thing. So I will admit and preface this with your audience, I apologize, this article is still being written, so... I may not get, I mean, this may not be as polished as I would like, but I will, but the idea is polished, right? I'm very um, well read on this idea. As we talked about, my mother is a physician. And so women physicians and physicians of color, such as my mother, hold a special place in my heart as far as advocacy. Mm -hmm. Specifically, what I've highlighted throughout the course of running the firm is massive disparities for women physicians um, that male physicians do not experience. Mm -hmm. And spoiler alert, Christopher, there are also similar disparities that exist for physicians of color. Mm -hmm. And so in light of Black History Month, I wanted to do some research about the the disparities that specifically black physicians experience and how do black physicians feel about how much they're paid and so the article really highlights some of those disparities. And just to give you the numbers they are double digits uh, as far as the percentage behind the average that black doctors are in in regards to their salary and compensation so on an annual basis. On average, black doctors are missing out on $40,000 in base salary guarantee compared to their counterparts. And let's just say a doctor has a healthy 30 year career that works out to be $1.2 million that they've left on the table. And if they've done anything smart with that money along the way, it's going to be a lot more than that um, at the end of their careers. So I believe that these disparities, while uncomfortable to talk about and uncomfortable to hear, it's important to address because I want doctors to go into their negotiations fully aware, fully aware of the context. It's not about pointing fingers or saying, or even calling out the disparities specifically. It's about doctors having this information so that they can advocate appropriately for themselves when they go in, understanding the context in which you're negotiating.
0: So I love the fact that you mentioned this, Ethan, and thank you for, for telling us your side of the story within that regards. And honestly, in my position or my opinion, I don't believe that it's awkward to talk about this or it's weird, because like you said, we have to put it out there. Because like, we're not looking at like, hey, uh, we should have done this, we should have done that. Listen, the history is the history. Uh, we We know it in certain regards, but now what can we do moving forward from now? And if these are yes. the things we need to talk about to be aware of it, I think you're doing a great job if you're going to write an article about it, get more people to be aware of it, that there is this discrepancy with uh, uh, colored physicians compared to non, then it's something that has to be noted, and especially when you put numbers, people like they get shocked by numbers. So if you're saying $40,000 a year and an average 30 year, uh, career goes up to 1.4, you were saying, if I'm not mistaken, that is significant amount of money and not even talking about, like we're talking about inflation or not even talking about compounding. effect. if you put it in a good, uh, you know, a portfolio or whatever the case is, is quite substantial. So just for people to be aware of it, I think it's going to position you not only as a great doctor agent, but somebody that's knowledgeable within that world as well. And probably going to bring a certain clientele, uh, Uh, for you in that regards. Uh, So Ethan, man, I I love everything we're kind of touching upon over here. Uh, One of my questions that I ask, and I'm really interested to ask you and to kind of figure out with your uh, side of things is that I truly believe we learn from a lot of people's successes, from our own successes, and that's great. But the best way we learn is from our own mistakes, right? When you hit your face to the wall, you're like, all right, cool, maybe I should have done differently. And you're going to notice that pain, right? But we don't only learn from our mistakes. We can learn from other people's mistakes. So my question to you is, in your business right now, what is something that is struggling? Maybe something that there's more opportunities to optimize. And how do you go about looking at that problem that you have within the business to solve it or to bring the
1: solution in the forefront? I will be super open about this because hopefully your audience will hear this and reach out and help a brother. Because I have been doing as much research as I can on the topic of sales. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, Christopher, I am a newbie at bringing awareness to the product that I have, the service that we sell. And so much of my job right now is bringing awareness on a broad scale to the value that we provide to doctors. So conversations with you like this are a great way to do that. But I have spent, hours each week uh, on sales blogs, researching. Um, and and I'll, I'll be honest, I completely blew up my strategy from last year. So if, you know, I'll be honest, I was super critical about my own work from last year and ways that I could do better this year based on what I've read over the last, you know, four to six months. So in the month of December, I had my head down for the entire month and was putting together my outreach strategy, my social media strategy, all of those things that, you know, to your point are are areas that I'm struggling in the business right now. And I applied some of those tools and strategies that I learned over the last few months so that I can go into this year a lot better than I was last year, right? So that's really my focus right now. But I will, again, this is a plea for help. I need help with sales marketing social media email outreach those are all things that i am learning for the very first time in my career i'm enjoying it but i'm learning it for the first time
0: yeah i mean ethan first of all thank you very much for your transparency because honestly if we're not transparent people are not going to notice that, hey, what's really going on and so on and so forth. And the fact that you're you know, a successful individual, you had a great career, and now you're building this business that I truly believe sounds very interesting. And there is a real need in the marketplace. For you to say what you're just saying right now is you're going to get a lot of outreach for sure. And if you permit, one thing that I would suggest in that regards, because it is somewhat of a new industry that you're creating, and that's what you said in your own words, the main thing for you is going to be educating because people don't know what it is. When I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is interesting. What is that? I've never even knew that the doctors do this. I didn't even know that it's an industry. So the only way you're going to go about it is educating your community, which is specifically doctors and their network about what you do and what is the added value. Because it's never about how much something costs, but what is the value that you bring? So imagine you say, Hey, you know what? You get 20 points off the sale or 30 or whatever number it is. It really doesn't matter, but you can get them like 30% more than what they have right now. Then you're like, Oh, wait a minute. The ROI is so much more on the compound effect of having that 30% year after year and having your team and your community in their back pocket. So when they need to renegotiate, they're not blind and they know where to go towards. So I think just you going out there and especially like I'm not going to be throwing flowers at yourself or, uh, at you right now. This is really honest. You're a very eloquent speaker. So I think utilizing that tool of communication that you have is the way that I would approach it hundred percent. So I don't know if that resonated with you, but I wanted to put it out there, and especially for the listeners as well. They could really figure out some other strategies in that end.
1: Yeah, it definitely does resonate. And I, I jotted that down with a big circle because education is such an important part of our strategy Mm -hmm. and you're right i could probably find even newer ways to get more information out there about what we do the value i really liked um i jotted down value as opposed to cost Mm -hmm. or expense so uh again i'm a sponge i i am learning this all for the first time uh so i really appreciate the insights christopher
0: man i love it because like i said i'm in a connex industry obviously i'm a professional speaker and a coach Uh, And I work with top tier execs and top tier CEOs to really get them to that next level. And if you just calculate the amount of investment for any coaching program or any seminar, X, Y, and Z, if you just look at the dollar figure, sometimes it doesn't make sense. Like most of the time it doesn't make sense, but that's not what we're selling. It's, can we get you from where you are to where you want to be? And what is the value that you're going to get from getting to that point? That's what we sell. That's why there's industries like this, that exist. And that's what sales is in base. So I love the fact that we're kind of alluding to this and we're unpacking this together over here. Uh, so Ethan, tell, tell me a bit more about the business structure on your end. Like, do you have any colleagues? Do you have any employees? Are you uh, kind of solopreneuring it right now? What are your ambitions? Where do you see yourself with the business in, let's say three years from now? What's your ambition in that regards?
1: Yeah, we are still really early on in our journey. We are, we're in year three right now. We've served, um, we've educated hundreds of doctors across the country, residency programs, fellowship programs. We right now at this point, I think we've served about 40 doctors who have been on our roster, who we've closed deals for over the past few years. And it's just me right now. I'm a solopreneur. We did over 2022, we did 10x the revenue that we did in 2021. Let's go. Spoiler alert, it was not much revenue in 2021. <laughs> so 10x wasn't you know, this astronomical number. But I was really proud to see that we did uh, as well as we did last year relative to our first year in business. And then when I think about m- these kind of next major milestones for the business, Christopher, I would like the business to be a seven figure revenue generating business in three years. So a million plus in revenue by the year 2026 uh, is our goal. And when we think long-term, it's always surprising to me when people ask me, well, oh, when do you plan to sell? That's never even crossed my mind because to me, I, as I mentioned, I'm building an industry. And so I want to be the godfather of this industry. And in order for me to do that, this is my stake in the ground. So right now, it's just me. We did over six figures in sales last year. In the next three, we'd like to do seven figures in sales. But in the next 10, 15, 20 years, I want for this, for physician agency to be as common as sports agency. I want doctors to have representation in contract negotiations the same way athletes do just as common. So to me, that's what I'm building towards not a revenue number. I'm building towards being pervasive in in the in the industry of medicine and phys- physician contracts.
0: I love that. I love that. I love what you just mentioned because I'm, I'm so on board with everything you're saying. I love the fact that you have this purpose-driven approach and you're very passionate about it, especially knowing the the backstory of your mom being in that industry, you getting laid off from the industry, and just everything kind of makes sense and it clicks over here. Uh, my question to you, I want to kind of take it back because there is probably a lot of listeners right now that had that same experience as you, that, that had that safe, secure job, and let's do air quotes over here, and then the rug was pulled under them. And I want to talk about that moment in itself. What happened to you emotionally, spiritually? What did you think about? Did this idea of you starting this agency come right away? Uh, How long did it take for you to get into the entrepreneurship side of things? Talk to me a bit about that aspect, because there's a lot of people that do not start their business because they call the fear or they push down the fear. They repress it, calling it out of practicality because they're like, Oh, you know what? I have kids. I have, a, I have a mortgage to pay. I have this, I have that. Oh, I can't do it now. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too whatever. So what was that moment like for you?
1: Devastating. My biggest fear professionally was getting laid off and then it happened. It it was miserable. I felt completely worthless. I was embarrassed, ashamed. I would walk into a coffee shop. If I was looking for a job that day, I would you know, post up at a coffee shop for a few hours just to get out of the house. And I felt in a palpable way that everyone else in that coffee shop knew mm-hmm. I just got laid, laid off. Oh, that's a, that's the guy that just lost his job. That's the guy that just got laid off. That's completely irrational. Mm-hmm. Completely irrational. But that was how lost I was in that moment. I didn't know, if if we're going to keep it funky, Christopher, I didn't know who I was without the job title and the salary. That was my identity. Yeah. I was Ethan director or blah 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 or you know whatever I was at the time that was my whole identity so when it was taken away there was an a very real acknowledgement that I didn't know who I was without that and the way the idea of RMPA came up is in the time just after I got laid off My partner had gotten me a massage, and so I went to a local um, massage studio, and in the waiting room, there was a magazine on the table, and I live in in Denver, and the magazine said, Denver's top doctors, and my head started to question, well, I wonder how much those doctors make. I wonder if they know how much they should make. Well, who, who helps them? Who tells them how much they should make? And so, so now to think back on this, this, these questions started to snowball. I went into the massage. I could not lay still. I was, I felt like I was buzzing the whole time thinking about this question. So I got out of the massage, couldn't have ended fast enough. And I called my mom and I said, why don't doctors have agents like athletes? And it got real quiet. She said, huh. And so I started to tell her all of these things I was thinking about. And that turned into a lot of discovery and exploration. Me talking to my mom about her experiences, negotiating her contract, me calling her friends. But don't forget, Christopher, there's still the very real reality of I need to pay my bills today and yeah. I don't have a job, right? <laughs> so I, I I can't afford to dream about this thing without being able to honor my commitment to pay my bills. So during that time, I found a job and, you know, a W-2 job, corporate job. And I worked that for about a year. And what I would, the way I would structure my day is I would get up, work that job from nine to five, and then I'd take a you know short break, have a meal. And then from six or seven to 10 or 11 midnight, I would work on RMPA. And it got to a point where I said, okay, I've, I'm, I've gone far enough with the planning that I either need to fully go into this thing or just say, hey, it's, it's maybe not right now. And I chose to fully go in. And I'll also, for your audience, uh, just so you know, I didn't do this the smart way. I left my job four months before I would get a $15,000 bonus. So for someone who was going without income, I didn't have any funding. I bootstrapped the business myself. I used the money that I had saved up over the past year, knowing that I was going to start this. But... I had no idea where money was going to come from and I didn't make money for five months mm-hmm. I had not a single dollar. And I cried a lot out of those first few months for not really, really into the money for other reasons, but I cried a lot. And so I, I want anybody who's listening to this to know like, yeah, I'm super happy now. I love my job. I love who I get to work with and for, but it it was super hard. It does not happen overnight. And it takes a lot of rejection to get to a point where you can finally say it was worth it.
0: Ethan, man, for our listeners, and you're not viewing right now, the whole time Ethan was saying that story, I had a smile from ear to ear. And he's talking about this (laughs) literal, like, like, difficult moment in his life. But the reason why I'm smiling is because this is the true journey of an entrepreneur. Really, I haven't met one entrepreneur that says, "Oh, I just started thinking and it started blowing up." It's rare, if not impossible, and if that's the way they explain it, they're not talking about there was probably nine other businesses or ten other businesses or six, whatever the number is, before that they tried the one that succeeded like that. So the way that you're explaining it, and once again, Ethan, thank you for being so transparent, was just so beautiful. And there was a couple of things, just being a coach and a speaker, really came to my ear that I really want to highlight, and I think a lot of people live through this, especially during the COVID times the last couple of years, is associating yourself with the job and not being able to disassociate who you are as a person, as Ethan, as Christopher. These are given names, right? We're more than just that in itself. So if you associate yourself as Ethan, the director of whatever, whatever hospital, and then that's taking out of you, you're like, hey, who am I? So you need that moment of self-reflection. If you want to succeed as an entrepreneur, anybody achieves at a very high level, high performers, peak performers, the first thing they have is massive clarity. So do not associate yourself with the job. You're not that job. You're not that career. You are your person. There's so many layers. That is a part of you, but there's so much more. And one thing I was kind of thinking about as you were saying that, My father's a professional accordionist and he's lived his career, uh, his whole life, the whole time I've known him as being his kid, obviously. He's uh, put food on our table and give us a roof over our head because of that career. And throughout COVID, unfortunately, he couldn't play any music like that. And I saw him really get almost in parentheses here, a certain depression, because his whole thing was Gregory, the accordionist, Gregory, the accordionist. And he's like, if he's like losing that, who is he as a person? So I just wanted to clarify that and highlight it. If you guys do not disassociate yourself from your career as an individual and see that that is a really important part, but there's more to you than that, I think you are going to be hitting that wall in one way, shape, or form. And one last thing, I'm going to get off my soapbox here, but one last thing that I correlate this to is the North American ideology with the rest of the world, the Eastern world, the European. I do a lot of speeches internationally, and when I go to those places as Europe and I talk about high performance and these Fortune 500 companies pay me in North America and as well in Europe and Asia... And I realize that their ideology is completely different than our North American ideology of that work, work, work mindset. So I think having that balance is something very important.
1: Can uh, I ask you a question? Yeah, please go for it, bro. I don't know that I would have had the skills to untie my identity from my job title or my salary. Do you have any tips? Because I, I, I imagine this is probably a risk now. Do you have any tips or strategies that would help be able to allow me to maintain or anybody who's listening, maintain my identity while also being passionate and deeply invested with the work that I'm doing? Yes.
0: Okay. Great question, brother. Now, like I said, my my coach's head is going to go on and kind of go on a rant here. So there's a couple of things. First and foremost, like I said, if you want to be a high performing individual, the first thing is you have to have massive, massive, massive awareness and Understanding of who you are as an individual, right? And for you to have that awareness, you have to be able to go within. Now, you could do that many forms. You could do that through meditating. You could do that through visualization. You could do that through praying, whatever the case is. First and foremost, that's the first thing you have to understand, right? Who you are as an individual. What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And understand the different facets. That's the first thing. Second thing, a bit more of a cryptic or in parentheses here, air quotes, once again, the stoic ideology of momento mori of being aware of our mortality, mm-hmm. I would invite you to be aware or imagine your death and imagine your funeral and want to realize what do you want to be written on your tomb, uh, tombstone or what do you want the closest people around you during your funeral to say about Ethan? Just mm-hmm. think about that. And then as you start thinking about like, yo, what would your closest family and friends say about you? I am pretty sure I could bet pretty much to farm on this. You're going to put being a uh, doctor agent on the bottom of the list. It's probably going to be first. I'm an amazing son, father, if you are a father, uh, uncle, whatever, name it, husband, X, Y, and Z. And then you'll be like, maybe even philanthropist, then entrepreneur. And I'm somebody like you, Ethan. Like I said, I'm very, very business oriented. I am blessed to have a successful uh, speaking career and a coaching business. And when I do these practices, I realize that the first thing that comes to my mind is exactly like I mentioned. I'm a phenomenal son. I'm a great brother, great uncle, God willing, a great husband and father soon enough. Then philanthropist comes, then entrepreneur. So then when I say, I look at this, the entrepreneur is the bottom of it. Now, granted, it's important because you need salary, you need to live and all that but it's not the most important thing. So that recalibrates your understanding of what we're living within this, let's call it air quotes, matrix. So just repositioning yourself in that regard is amazing. And side note, I do exactly the same thing with the closest people around me. I think about their death. It's once again, very cryptic, very tough. But once I think about it, then I come back towards, oh shit, I could literally call my mom right now. Let me see how she's doing, right? I could call my father. I could call my sister. These people are right here. Let me go out and have
1: lunch with them. So you appreciate that present moment. So did that resonate with you? I love that. I, I Like I said, man, i got a page of notes here uh, to take away after our conversation today, man. So this is great.
0: So Ethan, man, as I'm seeing the time go by now, like I knew it from the second that we just literally started talking, I'm like, this is going to be an amazing conversation. <laughs> and I truly love that. I truly love your authenticity. My last question to you is, After our audience listens to this, if they are physicians or they know somebody that needs your services, what's the best place to get in touch with you and your team?
1: Yeah, we provide a ton of education on Instagram, LinkedIn, on our socials. So check us out at Physician Agency on Instagram. You can go to my name on LinkedIn. As you mentioned, Christopher, education is a really important part of our strategy And we do everything we can to put all the resources out there so that the doctors who want to learn more can then reach out to us over the phone or email.
0: Ethan, thank you very much for that. Everything you mentioned will be in the show notes below. So go ahead and follow him on Instagram as well as LinkedIn and just follow everything that he does. And if you're interested, do not hesitate at all to connect with him. And for that, guys, have a great, great, great day. And we will uh, speak or hear you guys, speak to you guys, see you guys on the next episode. All right. Christopher Denian here. Thank you so much for listening to the Peak Performance Greatness Show. If you're a successful entrepreneur or entrepreneur who would like to be on this program, please visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com. If you got something out of this interview, would you share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot of your phone, text it to a friend, or post it on the socials. If you know somebody that could be a great guest, please tag them on social media to let them know about this program, and don't forget to include the hashtag Peak Greatness. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions we regularly put out new episodes and content. To make sure that you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and click that subscribe button. Your thumbs up, rating, and review go a long way to help us promote this show and it would mean a lot to me as well as my team. You wanna know more? Go ahead and visit our website at peakperformancegreatness.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or my YouTube channel at Christopher Didia. Thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Have a blessed and grateful day.